the Land Use, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee meeting of Denver City Council. Full coverage of this session of the Land Use, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee begins now. Welcome everyone to the Tuesday, March 7th uh, Ludi Committee. Our chair is on her way up in the elevator. Here she comes. Um, why don't we get started with introductions and we will start online. Good morning, Candy Sadevaca, District 9. Thank you very much. And we'll start on our left. Uh, good morning, Kevin Flynn, Southwest Denver, District 2. Good morning, Kendra Black, District 4. Jamie Torres, Council District 3. Amanda Sandoval, District 1. Joel Clark, District 7. Chris Arnon, District 8. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. We've got two action items today. Yeah. Uh, we've got two action items today, and we will start with, um, I believe, our uh, landmark committee. Hi, Becca. I am a senior city planner with Denver Landmark Preservation. And um, community planning and development. So today we have a first, the first item before you will be the designation application of 618 South Monroe Way. Uh, this is an owner supported designation uh, brought forth by our landmark preservation commissioner, Ann Wattenberg and her mm -hmm. husband, Peter. Uh, the property is known as the Muchow residence named after the architect and first owner, William Muchow. The property is located in the Belcaro neighborhood, just south of Cherry Creek. Uh, this will be the second landmark in the Belcaro neighborhood, the others being the Phipps Mansion, um, about two blocks south of the property. The property is located in District 10, represented by Councilman Chris Hines. The existing zoning is suburban single unit, and the zoning would not be affected by the designation, and the designation would not affect any zoning um, in the surrounding area. The proposed boundaries for the designation is the existing zone lot, which is the west 18 feet of lot 38 or 32 and the east 57 feet of lot 31 of blocks three Stokes Place Edition. We're just gonna go through the whole thing. Um, and here is an aerial view of the structure showing the residential character of the surrounding area. So the criteria for designating a Denver landmark are laid out in chapter 30 of the Denver Revised Municipal Code. To be a Denver landmark, a property or district must meet the following. It must maintain its historic integrity. It must be more than 30 years old or be of exceptional importance. 
it must meet at least three of 10 significance criteria, and the LPC, the Landmark Preservation Commission, must consider the property's relationship to its historic context. The application has successfully illustrated that the property at 618 South Monroe Way meets three of the 10 significance criteria noted in orange on the screen. I'll go through each of these criteria before turning to the historic context and the integrity of the property. The Mucha residence meets criteria A, having a direct association with the historical development of the city. The Mucha residence has a direct association with the post-war pattern of development seen in Denver and cities across the United States. The population of Denver almost tripled um, after the post-war period to, and to accommodate new residents, um, more than 50,000 houses were constructed um, in new neighborhoods around, throughout Denver um, after World War II. Uh, these neighborhoods were laid out with more winding streets uh, in contrast to the very rigid grid that we know in many of our older historic neighborhoods. Um, and these new post-war houses were low-slung ranch-style houses um, that were more informal with open plants. And that's in contrast to the relatively rigid um, and formal brick bungalows of the late 19th century and early 20th centuries. William Munchau's 1953 design for his family home at 618 South Monroe Way is reflective of these changes. The design shares many of the streamlined attributes of the ranch style house, which was prevalent in homes across, built across Denver. It emphasized simplicity, privacy, and informality. It was built primarily on one level with an open floor plan, had large windows and exterior cladding that was formal and rustic. Uh, the majority of Denver's post-war residences were starter homes, as was 618 South Monroe Way. Producing homes that were within the buying power of new residents, many of them returning veterans, required rethinking the basic building elements um, with a view towards reducing costs, material and labor costs. Major changes in the building, um, building the entire home included building on one floor on a slab on grade without a basement or a second floor, having open floor plans so that public rooms could serve several purposes, um, which eliminates things like dining rooms, when you just have a kitchen with a dining table in it. Um, it also included smaller bedrooms for children and greater connection to outdoor spaces. The Muchao residence at 618 South Monroe embodies these design elements. As Muchao himself noted, modern homes have been compressed by high costs, but I feel that they can still have an air of spacious, spaciousness despite a tight budget. Interrelated, uh, the Muchao residence also meets criterion C. It embodies the distinctive visible characteristics of the mid-century modern architectural style, which focused on simplified geometric design elements, connected indoor and outdoor space, an open floor plan, and simplified building materials with little adornment. Although this is not the typical ranch-style house that is synonymous with post-war sub suburban buildings, the building does use the same design principles in a unique, playful way that makes the house stand out as a mid-century modern design. The home uses geometric volumes, in this case, a triangle rather than a square or rectangle as the more traditional ranch home would use. Launching off from this tri uh, triangular shape, the house uses exaggerated lines to create an A-frame that almost reaches the ground. Large overhanging eaves protects the large expansive windows, shading them from, from direct sun, but still allowing large amounts of light into the building. This also blurs the lines between the indoor and outdoor spaces of the site. 
The, pro the property also uses simple materials, primarily brick and cedars, cedar shingle uh, in concert with glass. The varied textures of these materials provide visual interest in the place of decorative features that was common on earlier architectural styles. And there is a 1975 garage edition that was designed by Muchao, and it uses the same design principles that drove the design of the primary structure. The addition is low sun and boxy. You can see the blue door um, just on the left of this picture where the addition is. Um, and it's clad in vertical wood siding. The symbol form does not detract from the design of the original structure, but instead recalls earlier site features like the brick site wall on the south elevation and an early bedroom patio on the east elevation, which has since been removed. And finally, the Mucha residence meets criterion D as a significant example of the work of a recognized architect, William Muchao. He lived in the home with his family um, from its design until 1971. William Muchao was born in Denver uh, in 1922 and died in 1991. He earned a bachelor's of architecture from the University of Illinois in 1946 and a master's of architecture and urban planning from Cranbrook Academy of Art in Michigan in 1948. Muchas firm worked on a broad range of architectural projects that included schools, churches, single family and multifamily residences, office buildings, financial institutions, municipal and recreational facilities. From 1915 to 1991, his firm designed 833 projects and was awarded 35 um, AIA awards. Uh, some of his most well-known um, Buildings across Denver include the 1968 Federal Reserve Branch Bank Building, the 1975 Blue Cross Blue Shield Building, and the Galleria at the Denver Center of Performing Arts. Uh, in 1968, Mucha was elected as a fellow to the American Institute of Architects. The property at 618 South Moon Way is a significant um, example of Mucha's residential work. Although Moonchow designed hundreds of buildings during his career, he primarily focused on larger scale buildings and his single family residential work has gone largely undocumented. This property is a unique example of his design philosophy expressed in a residential context. And it's also a notable award-winning design of its own time. In May of 1957, it was one of 25 buildings um, nationally recognized in architectural records, record homes edition, uh, issue. The jury stated a three-dimensional approach, developing a, a structure along with a plan gives an unusual spaciousness and livability for an inexpensive house on a small plot. It was also chosen as Denver Post's um, Empire Magazine Home of the Month. So as appropriate for property proposed for designation, uh, the historic context is strongly interrelated to both the areas of significance and period of significance for the building. The property is directly related to the post-war development patterns of Denver, and it's a unique architectural expression of the design principles of William Munchau and his mid-century modern style. The period of significance for the structure is 1954 to 1957, encompassing its construction and ownership by the Muchao family through the design and the construction of the garage addition and the reorientation of the entrance um, to the west elevation in 1975. These changes were designed by Muchao, um, although he sold the property in 1971. Chapter 30 of the revised municipal code also requires that a landmark um, designated property maintains its integrity. 
Integrity um, in historic preservation and in chapter 30 is, uh, is defined as the ability of a structure or district to convey its historic, geographic, architectural, or cultural significance, recognized as belonging to its particular time and place in Congress history. So we de define integrity with seven different qualities, including location, setting, design, materials, workmanship, feeling, and association. The house retains um, an incredibly high degree of integrity. The original features and architectural elements, including large areas of windows, exaggerated A-frame roof with cedar shingles, and site features are intact, which retaining its integrity of design, workmanship, and materials. The alterations to the property, um, including the garage addition and the reorientation of the entrance, were designed by the architect and do not detract from the mid-century modern character of the structure. A small non-historic addition on the east elevation, approximately where the original entrance was located, is non-contributing to the structure, but it does not detract from the building's integrity. The property is still located in its religion, original location, situated on a, in a residential neighborhood on Monroe Way in the Balcaro neighborhood. And as such, the property also maintains its integrity of location, setting, feeling, and association. So as of March 2nd, uh, CPD has received two public comments on this designation, both of which were in favor. And so with that all being said, um, based on the ordinance designation criteria and the findings of the Landmark Preservation Commission, which recommended that we forwarded this application to you, uh, CPD staff recommends the approval and forwarding of this application. Thank you, Becca. Um, we have two colleagues in the queue. First up, we have Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Becca, I, there's, I see a little inconsistency in the recommendation. Uh, not that I disagree with it in any way, but uh, the, <clears throat> the three criteria were A, C, and D. Correct. But what is cited on the last slide as A is actually B, which fits better. Yep. Because uh, this, this house has, does have a direct and substantial association with a recognized person or a group of persons who had influence on society. Uh, did, is that an error in what yeah, the that is commission a actually recommended? Error on my <laughs> I'm sorry? That's a copy paste error on my account and I apologize. Uh, the application did recommend A based on direct and substantial association with historical development. Okay, I would disagree with that uh, because the way that has been applied in this case uh, could apply to almost any structure in the city. Uh, I could look at any structure that was part of suburban development in my district or District 4 and say, well, you know, that's, you know, that's a Hutchinson uh, rancher and that's uh, associated with the historical development of post-war Denver. Uh, so that's not really informative for me. I would much rather that the commission had told us it, that they were relying on B, C, and D. Uh, any idea why they left out B? Because yeah. this is Bill Muchow's house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so two questions, the first being A. Um, right. And so I think when you dig into the application, and I'll be sure to put this in a further. I, I have it here. Yeah. Um, th this house really, we have a lot of background detail from Bill Munchow about why he designed the house the way he did uh -huh. and what he was working with um, to create the house 
And so um, in working with the applicant, we did suggest A as being a direct develop, uh, association with the historical development of the city because it truly represents what was happening at Denver at the time. And as a very prominent architect explaining how he's trying to fit this house into um, the covenants that were happening in um, Stokes Place Edition, you know, we see this picture that says codes inspire fresh design. He was really trying to work within the limitations of this post-war development boom where we don't have a lot of labor, we don't have a lot of materials, but he still designed something stunning. Um, and so I think that's why we really focused on A. Yeah. Um, and then for B, we don't, we don't want, we never want to double dip, right? <laughs> We never want to have two criteria that are sort of the exact same reason why. And so um, I think Landmark staff and the applicant felt that being the example, the recognized example of a recognized architect right. as Bill Muchow's house right. um, was a better fit to really explain the importance of that architectural right. character. Okay. I, I think I'd have to say I'm disappointed that, that they didn't also include B. It's not our fault. Yeah. That, that Bill designed his own house, but it does <laughs> yeah. fit under B and D. I have a problem seeing it as fitting under A on the loose standards that you just outlined. And, and I'll read the application more closely afterward, but it seems to me that we could, we could slap A on any, on any application under the very loose definitions that we're using here. I mean, you could, but you, it still needs to meet two other criteria. So. For certain, yes, for sure. But that gives you one, one up. I mean, I live in a Melody Homes tract house. I could probably say that that had as much to do as with the historical development of the city as did uh, the uh, 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 this this particular house in Belcaro. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Next up, we have Councilman Black. Thank you for your presentation. I don't have any questions. Just a comment. Um, in my neighborhood, there are actually five Muchow houses, and there are four uh, really outstanding ones on the corner of Dartmouth and Monroe, and they were built for a, um, uh, blanking on the name, I'll think of it in a minute, their whole family, they made a compound, and they had a shared, it was on Welshire Golf Course, and they had a shared swimming pool and a tennis court, and they were on the corner um, and they're all still outstanding examples. And I've been talking to the owners a lot about doing the designation, yeah, um, but they're really cool and you should check them out. They are on Denver Discovers or Discover Denver. Um, and also missing from your list is Kurrigan Hall and you should put yeah. that on there. Okay. That was a cool building. <laughs> oh, that was too bad that we tore it down. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Councilman. Seeing no other further questions, do we have a motion to move this forward? We have a motion by President Torres, a second by Councilman Herndon. Seeing no objections, moving this forward. We look forward to seeing you at the full council, Becca. Thank, Thank you. you. Next up, we have the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure. And whoever's speaking, just please introduce yourself for the record. Hi, good morning. I'm Ginger White, Executive Director of Denver Arts and Venues. So we'll be presenting this presentation and we have 
Dottie and city attorney's office and real estate with us um, if you have questions that they can help answer. Um, in addition to uh, me being here, also Mark Agarian, who is um, the project uh, manager for our uh, Loretto Heights Theater campus. So thank you for having me here this morning. Um, we are here to present a design contract for architectural services. Um, for our Loretto Heights Theater campus, um, the contract with Perkins Eastman Architects. And um, the reason partly why I'm here presenting this is I just wanted to share how big of a deal this is for arts and venues. And I think the city that we are at this point of acquiring and designing a new campus for uh, Southwest Denver. Um, just in context, arts and venues or the city really hasn't opened a theater of this kind um, since the Buell opened in 1990. And uh, the campus that we're proposing, which I'll go through, um, since we opened the performing arts complex in the 1970s in downtown Denver. So this is a pretty significant uh, undertaking for the city and I think a great milestone for this project in particular. Um, so what I wanted to do is provide just some general updates on the project itself, including this contract, um, because we haven't had a chance to really be before this body or talk about this more publicly since the Rise Denver Bond in uh, November of 2021. And um, certainly want to thank Councilman Flynn for his partnership and leadership in getting us to this point. Um, it's a tremendous asset that we're creating for Southwest Denver and District 2 and um, specifically and other members of council. Um, so again, I will go through some high points and then Mark, turn it over to Mark Nigerian to talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the project specifically. So I do have a presentation. So let me see if I can bring it up. Or is that something that I can get assistance on? Thank you. Oh, here we go. I don't know if it, how it shows up. Perfect, thank you for your help. Uh, so here we are. So um, this uh, project is part of the, Lore uh, the Loretto Heights campus redevelopment that is being led by Westside. And we are calling this a cultural hub for Southwest Denver. There's really two phases to this overall campus redevelopment um, that we're part of. Um, the first phase is to renovate the theater, construct a parking garage that will service the theater, um, and acquire the former library, which will be a, a future council action, but we wanted to, um, to talk about that here as we think about phase one. Phase two will be to renovate that, that theater, or excuse me, that library, um, which we'll show you some images um, later in the presentation. Uh, but arts and venues will ultimately be bringing forward the, the theater, the library, and the garage as part of its portfolio, as well as the plaza open space um, that is um, in front of the library and the theater. And with that, I'll turn it over to Mark to kind of walk you through a little bit of the map and then some of the council or the, the contract specifics. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you for the opportunity to present more about the project. Uh, I'm not sure if you can see the uh, cursor move, but I did want to point to some things on the map and I'll also uh, verbally describe uh, the different areas just to orient you for those who might not be familiar with Southwest Denver, that this, uh, the campus, this is Federal Boulevard on the 
the very uh, eastern edge of the project. And this cultural hub we're talking about and the buildings uh, on the campus are on the southern edge of the campus in alignment with, this is Dartmouth Avenue. So think uh, Federal and Dartmouth. Uh, the, the theater, which was the primary attention for the RISE bond vote uh, back in November of 21, this is at number 13. Uh, and then the library, which we'll talk more about is this number 10, immediately to the north, those two buildings are connected. Uh, we will be uh, constructing a parking garage as part of the, the bond project or phase one. It doesn't have a number yet, it doesn't exist. So that is the one new construction element of the project that I wanted to point out. Um, and then I always forget to, to uh, orient everybody. This uh, uh, historic uh, administration building is uh, right here in the center of campus. So that's what everyone identifies as the beautiful uh, redstone building uh, with the, the bell tower, the very uh, top of the hill. Um, it's on the National uh, Historic Register. Um, so that's located uh, right here in the center of the campus. Uh, just to echo what Ginger said about the elements of the project. So the, the bond project is to renovate the theater and construct the parking garage. Um, what's not part of the bond project, but we are, are uh, proposing as well is to acquire the adjacent library building. Uh, and we noted here in the presentation that uh, as part of a the real estate deal and closing for the properties, uh, this would be a future council action. So we will be coming back to you with that. Uh, and this, this action is just the uh, architectural design work that uh, we wanted to walk through with you today. So let's see if I can do uh, next, there we go. Uh, so this uh, picture on the next slide is the theater. And it, as I said, is connected with this, uh, this breezeway between the two buildings. So just as what I described, the rise bond scope for professional design services and uh, we are also adding the scope to have the architect do the uh, design work for the library as well, all part of this one design. But since that wasn't anticipated in the RISE bond vote, um, then we are uh, using arts and venues funding, uh, our agency funding to keep that separate from the bond vote or from the bond scope. From an architectural perspective, I just quickly reference what what are we talking about? These are the nuts and bolts of what the uh, architecture team is being hired to do. So there will be a major public engagement component. Yes, there's been a lot of public engagement already with the uh, surrounding neighborhoods through Councilman Flynn's office, uh, through Westside as part of their development of the campus. Uh, they have a signed development agreement for all the renovation that's occurring and, uh, on, on the campus already, but uh, we are uh, initiating a new public engagement associated with uh, the architect. Uh, there'll be accessibility improvements, restaurant, uh, restrooms, uh, obviously the replacing of this uh, theater seating, as you see in the, the photo, theatrical equipment, uh, HVAC mechanical, um, all the building systems from its uh, 1962 building, uh, everything needs to be uh, updated and modernized from a, a code and functionality perspective. Um, public spaces, uh, lobby spaces, happy to talk more about that. And then the, uh, certainly the parking structure. Uh, it's uh, on a significant grade if you're familiar with the campus. Um, so the parking garage will be just to the west of the theater and um, will need to be designed very 
uh, intently into the slope of that, uh, that grade and uh, work very well um, with the, the surrounding buildings. Um, of course, environmental abatement and uh, uh, leave gold per the executive order. So uh, tag teaming, I'll toss it back to Ginger to talk a little bit about uh, more of the project justification. So um, as I mentioned, Arts and Venues is very excited to be uh, part of this project and have this part of its portfolio. And, and uh, we have actually a brochure that we can leave behind that describes more of the reason wh reasons why. But for this morning, uh, you know, we believe very strongly that this project helps advance cultural equity and access um, in the city and county of Denver. Um, as we all know, Southwest Denver neighborhoods have poor access to uh, arts-related programming. And certainly when this building went dormant um, for the period that it did, many of those arts organizations and community organizations lost a place to gather, um, whether it was for arts or other civic engagement kind of opportunities. So we're really excited to be able to bring that asset back online for this community. It also takes our focus as an agency to, to not just being downtown centric. Of course, we have Red Rocks and the Denver Coliseum, but from a performing arts center perspective, we now have an asset in Southwest Denver that we can program in a really affordable way um, for the community to access. Uh, this draws very much in line with our belief that thriving communities include arts and culture, um, whether it's uh, in uh, Central Park or Lowry or now in Loretto Heights, arts and culture really help to make a thriving community. And it's very much in line with our agency's new strategic plan, Time to Thrive, as well as uh, the city's cultural plan, Imagine 2020. And then lastly, uh, this facility, these two buildings, which are mid-century modern um, architecture, helps to preserve Denver's history and really the legacy of Loretto Heights and the Sisters of Loretto that helped to build this really important place for our community. So now I'm going to turn it back to Mark <laughs> to talk about um, budget and schedule. Thanks, Ginger. Just to wrap up the last couple of slides and of course, uh, be ready to take your questions. Uh, but this, um, this next slide kind of summarizes uh, budget and schedule. Uh, the bond was 30 million. Uh, you may recall from, from Rise Bond, our estimate is that uh, this first phase is uh, $50 million. So we are uh, have uh, working with the Denver Civic Arts Foundation, a foundation we're collaborating closely with. A capital campaign has already been uh, initiated to raise between 10 and $15 million. And as Ginger just noted, as such a major um, initiative for our agency, we're ready to step up with uh, our own capital uh, to invest in the project. Um, this will include uh, the architecture work, as I mentioned, for the library, however, this does not include the funding for the library renovation. So that is the future phase. We're estimating $20 million for that, but there's a huge range depending upon um, you know, the, the level of investment and finishes uh, that would go into that building. And of course, you wanna know who we've selected. We had talked about the architects. So uh, Perkins Eastman Architects is the, the firm uh, and they have a particular studio uh, Pfeiffer Partners, who has a very uh, niche experience in doing a number of theater renovations, particularly theaters on college campuses, and very uh, uh, accurately uh, applies to this, this, uh, this setting. So we're very excited to, to be recommending them. Uh, the 
contract amount is uh, nine and a quarter million uh, thereabouts, 9,279,000. Um, the schedule is uh, assuming we would be starting uh, next quarter as, as early as next month uh, through the end of next year and uh, construction starting in 2024 and assuming a two year construction cycle. Again, just a note for future uh, council action that uh, at the time of hiring the contractor, that would also be coming back for uh, a council approval as well. And then just the last slide to wrap up is uh, kind of the formal uh, approval request documenting the Perkins Eastman Architects for $9,279,804. Um, and through uh, March 14th of 2026 uh, and at the location uh, thus specified. So with that, we are ready to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much for the great presentation and all of the work on such an important project for Denver um, and especially for Southwest Denver. First up in the queue, we have President Torres. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, thank you, Ginger and Mark. My question isn't so much about um, the uh, design or architecture. Um, um, a lot of the dialogue that 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 we see coming through on development between um, developer and community has a lot to do with and kind of what benefits are contemplated. And so, just curious if that's something that arts and venues is already taking up in terms of um, how the facility will be run, what kinds of um, community benefits like are on the table. Um, yeah, thank you. Great question. And that's something we're very sensitive to. And we're part of the conversations and we even started our due diligence around this question of um, if, if we were to bring this theater back into, you know, um, working order, who, who could manage it? And we did a lot of community and public engagement as part of that due diligence. Councilman um, Flynn was very much in those conversations. And uh, we learned a lot through that. There are certainly um, arts organizations that very much need space for performance and rehearsal. Um, as I mentioned, there's other organizations that utilize the space for quinceañeras and graduations and all of those things. So we definitely intend to start with those organizations that utilize the space first. Now, it's been some time since they've been at Loretto Heights, and so perhaps their circumstances have changed. They found other locations to perform and do their thing, um, but we certainly hope that they'll be interested in coming back to the community. Um, secondly, through this public engagement process that the design team will help um, uh, initiate, we'll learn more and we'll, we'll learn, we'll answer those questions of, is that community still out there that needs space? My, my, I suspect the answer is yes, that they'll, they're waiting. I think Councilman Flynn can substantiate that too, given some of the conversations he's likely in. Um, and so we're gonna have to build a pro forma that tries to balance you know, community need to also ensure that arts and venues can um, operate this facility in a financially sustainable way. Having said that, we anticipate we'll operate this at a loss. Um, which is something that Arts and Venues does with other facilities that we manage. Um, but we feel confident given the state of, of our you know, financial viability as an agency that we can continue to subsidize and make sure that this is a community asset that can be utilized. 
I think the question around the library is a really much more open-ended one because that can be a lot of things and that's gonna be a much richer dialogue about, you know, is it after-school programs? Is it arts education classes? Who are our partners um, who could support that? Because we'll, we'll need those community partners to make that a really, you know, vibrant place for, for everyone to access. Does that answer your question? It really does. Thank okay. you so much. I yeah. appreciate um, and look forward to that dialogue. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Madam you. Chair. Thank you. Next up, we have Councilman Flynn. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you for all of that information, Ginger. I just want to expand on a little bit. I don't believe it, that I can adequately express how much this project means to my community. When Takeo Loretto Heights or Colorado Heights University, the Takeo Group, announced in the fall of 2016 it was closing the campus because it could not continue to operate. And, uh, and they tried to find an academic buyer and they were gonna put it on the open market upon failing that. Uh, my community was full of anxiety over losing one of the most historical sites in Southwest Denver and in all of Denver, frankly. Uh, the library and theater were built around the same time as a, basically a gift from the May Bonfi Stanton estate. I believe she had passed away at that time and Charles or her husband had donated the money for it. It was designed by Music and Music, one of Denver's preeminent firms that actually also designed the auditorium annex, uh, what we call the auditorium arena, that's now the Buell Theater and, and a host of other remarkable Denver buildings. Uh, this was built in the early 60s. I think it's uh, very, we should note that when the nuns built, had this built, it was built as a curricular facility. So it's not just a theater where you come and put on performances. There are teaching spaces in it. There are uh, active rehearsal spaces. There's a sprung floor for ballet. Uh, there, there's a small theater in the, in the bottom level. Uh, so as a community accessible facility, I think it is much more meaningful than just opening up another space where people can rent and put on a show. This is going to be a place where, um, I've, said this, I've said this several times, but I don't think I've ever said it on the floor here. Uh, I grew up in community theater. When I was 10 years old, I did my first show as a musical. I, played the little lisping kid in The Music Man. I sang Gary, Indiana. And uh, I was 10 years old at the time and I stayed with theater all the way through college uh, when I had to uh, decide, do I starve as an actor or starve as a writer? So I went into journalism. Um, my last show, I played Linus in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I was a middle child in a family of five sons. So was, I was kind of introverted, stuck in the middle there. Being in the performing arts brought me out of my shell and is in large part responsible for the fact that I'm sitting here today and able to do this. And I can't help but believe that there are a lot of boys and girls in Southwest Denver and in the environs, 10-year-old uh, boys and girls, the age that I was, for whom performing arts will be a life-changing experience. I wanna thank the voters of Denver for approving the $30 million in the bond issue. I believe uh, this is accurate. Uh, the 
theater renovation was the single most commented upon project in the entire rise package of bond issues favorably uh, of all the projects. And the, uh, I forget which issue it was, A, B, C, D, I don't remember offhand, but it also got, that package got the most uh, yes votes of any of the results in the 2021 bond election. So our thanks go out to the voters of city and county of Denver for giving us this facility that will mean so much uh, to my community and the broader Denver community once it reopens. I have pledged, uh, Rosemary Rodriguez, a former uh, councilwoman from District 3, is chairing the private capital campaign. And uh, I, uh, I certainly hope that that comes through because with the addition of the library, which is just a remarkably uh, wonderful facility, three floors, fantastic views from the hilltop down toward the Front Range, down toward Fort Logan Cemetery. Uh, this is going to be a place where people can gather and really the, be the hub of Southwest Denver. So uh, with that, uh, Madam Chair, I'm not a voting member of the committee, but I certainly would ask uh, those who are committee members to pass this on to the full council. And so we can get this work started. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman. I just have a couple questions. Um, how much has been have has been raised from the capital campaign yet? So we just kicked off a quiet phase of our capital campaign recently. Of course, as Councilman Flynn mentioned, the thirty million dollars of uh, of the voter-approved bonds has made this um, a much more promising and successful project. Uh, so uh, Rosemary Rodriguez and Gary Stoyer from Bonfi Stanton Foundation are, are kicking off, or our, excuse me, our co-chairs for that capital campaign. We are currently um, in conversations with Gates Foundation, Family Foundation, Betcher Foundation, Telluride Foundation, and I feel like there's another one. Anyway, um, and so we are uh, going to foundations first, um, and then we'll be going to corporations second, and then the community third. Um, and we've engaged with philanthropy experts um, to help us with that capital campaign um, as a consultant to the Denver Civic Arts Foundation, which is the fiduciary of the, of the private fundraising. Perfect, thank you. And then, um, so, Similar to other projects, what when would the capital campaign have to end? Like, there's there has to be like a time frame for it to be matched for this. If you said that in your presentation and I missed it, sorry, but I don't think I heard that. Yeah, we didn't cover that. So we are in conversation with Department of Finance around that. Um, we know that through the library, the central library renovation, there was a similar match between I believe that was the Elevate Bond and private fundraising through the. Um, Friends Foundation for the library. So I believe they had a $12 million um, gap that they were they were pledged to fill and they were able to do so incrementally um, and not be um, not have to have all the money in the bank to, to start that process. And so we're working to figure out, you know, what is that threshold, but we would follow a similar pattern um, or example um, that the Central Library did for that project. So when you come back for any other contracts, could you keep continuing to provide an update on that? I think that's an important piece to figure out how to 
leverage bond dollars. People don't quite understand that the bond dollars don't get us everything we need um, to figure out how important that is for us to call upon the public and uh, the influencers in Denver to make sure that these type of projects get done. Because without that capital campaign, this can, even though we have that money, it's seed money for a bigger project. So I think that's important to continue updating as you um, present in the future. Great. We have a set, we have a motion by Councilman Torres and a second by Councilman Clark. Seeing no objections, we will see you at the full council and congratulations on the work so Great. far. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you very much. Thank you. We have a few items on consent. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to myself or Luke and see no other action in front of us. This is adjourned. Thank you.